0: Hey y'all, this is Abraham, one half of the OSINT 8 podcast. And I just wanna let you know we outside this summer. So that means return to sporting events, concerts, and the like. Lockdown hasn't been easy on the pockets, so ticket prices aren't looking too fun. I will feel you on that. But, Megaseats.com offers a solution. Megaseats.com is a third-party reseller. They stand tall on these two things zero service fees and free shipping 100% guarantee but if that isn't enough and and this is the fun part SSAW has partnered with them to provide you a 10% discount when you enter SSAW network at checkout did you hear me 10% off on top of zero service fees man you're going to catch me outside this summer for sure Head over to megaseats.com. Use the code SSAW network and plan your next outing. We outside this summer, baby!
1: In here a special delivery for the people you know what i'm saying welcome to uh kind of another episode of the A podcast uh really what this is and as always presented to you by ssaw uh Mm -hmm. what this is 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 a new segment that we like to call games of the week this is this is going to be some bonus content for y'all um as we are going along this journey as we have multiple sports going on right now we have college football we have professional football the NFL we have the NBA about to kick off soon and so we as always it's it's your boy Mr. 50% the Osa and Osa and Abe here and then as always the other 50% my guy Abe but we decided to bring back to y'all we brought him back the streets was talking they said they wanted to hear from the man we've brought back for this special segment and hopefully you will hear him weekly our friend your friend emmanuel aka baba funke manuel what's good
2: yeah, what's good man I'm, I'm happy to be back
3: happy to be yeah, back yeah, yeah yeah it's lit it's lit um shout out to baba funke for being back like like osa said uh this is your osa and a presents games of the week um featuring Baba Funke, hopefully uh permanently moving forward. And it's just us providing a new segment where we just share our we just basically talk shop about some of our favorite games, the ones that caught our eyes, our own reactions to it, and um, you know, maybe some projections moving forward. Uh that being said, you know, we're gonna start off with week two. Uh week two of the college football season has concluded, and there were a couple of games that really stood out. Um one of them was the college game day uh, uh, game of the week, really, which is Oregon. The, at the time of this recording, the number 12 Oregon Ducks came to Columbus, Ohio to face the number three, the Ohio State. And uh, if you recall on a previous episode of Osa and Abe, um, I gave Ohio State Buckeyes their flowers. You know, I said that I'll put respect on their name. And I, and I said that they would uh, handle Oregon. Um, unfortunately, that was not the case at all. Um I, I was watching the game. I thought it was supposed to be a later game. I didn't know it was supposed to be afternoon here on the on the West Coast. Um, so I caught, uh, I missed the first quarter, but I I tune in and I see that Oregon has a has sound control. The Ohio State was trailing the entire time. And I was just shocked because this is the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten. You know, when it comes to the Big Ten. The Big Ten is known as the big beefy boys. You know, they can run all over you. They're, uh, their O-line is just too big, too strong. And Oregon, the Ducks are known for their the West Coast offense. They can air it out. They can just throw the ball over, all over the field defensively. They're not that impressive. But this game was truly a surprise to me. I mean, um, we also talked about on the episode the three uh, Southern California quarterbacks who are currently in the top six of college football. And, CJ Stroud, I mean, there was just some, some times where I'm looking at him and and you know, his stats look looked dope. You know, he threw for uh 484 yards, uh, three touchdowns, one interception, uh, threw the ball 54 times. You know, he had 50 about 54 pass attempts, 35 for 54, not too bad, not too bad. But I'm just like, I mean, the final, let's talk about that final drive, first of all. My man. Almost fumbled the ball, in 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 their own five, and then he threw a pick. It's just like yo. I mean, I get it. You're a true freshman, but what the what the heck was that? Like Baba Funke, what what were your thoughts on that game?
2: I mean, Oregon really controlled the game throughout. Ohio State, uh, they, they they were trying to get get a comeback, and it like it was about to be a game. And then Oregon really pulled it out. But to me, what impresses me with this game was Oregon was out, was without five defensive starters in this game. Two of them were, were the best players in the t- team. You have uh, Kevon uh, Thib- uh, Thibodeau, which is arguably the number one or top two pick in the draft. And then you had Justin Flo, their best linebacker. Shout out from the IE.
1: <laughs> so, and high stand up, another
2: IE stand up. Yeah, yeah, but IE product. So, um, yeah, and what to me that was more impressive five defensive starters were gone, and they still beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. It really speaks volumes. The Pac 12 has really been showing themselves, uh, pretty well in terms of non conference games. Uh, obviously, the previous week with UCLA beating LSU. The road say that again. Went. Go and say that again.
3: We don't. We don't. We don't need to discuss that. We don't. We, we, can, <laughs> we, we already just, covered that. We can move on. We can move on. From but, but
2: well, the reality is that the Pac-12 is just definitely making a statement in regards with those two teams mm-hmm. uh, for non-conference. And then, but with back to this game, uh, Ohio State Stroud, I feel like he's still learning. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh play, playing behind center, and um, and I, I feel like there's not really. There's no, not really leadership on this team. Mm-hmm. I feel like the team is lacking the leadership uh, compared from the years past from Ohio State. I feel like I haven't really seen seen it yet. I know it's early in the season. Maybe mm-hmm. it could develop down the line and see somebody who can step up. But uh, I think Ohio State has to work on that. And the defense is not as stout as it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no Chase Young, you, you know, and the and the rest of those guys. There's no. There's no Lattimore. There's those guys are gone. There's no Sean Wade. There's no <laughs> So those guys are pretty much gone. And it's pretty much next man up, but now somebody has to step in for the reins on the defense and be that leader. And I, I'm not seeing it yet for Ohio State.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's very fair. Osam, what about you?
1: What did you what did you think about this game? Yeah, this definitely game of the week. <clears throat> uh I think Brian, my co host over, co host and colleague over on Reformed Hooligans, who was a big Ohio State fan, like we mentioned Mm. on the previous episode of Osa and Abe, uh, he he made a very fair point. Ohio State, for some reason, they just play like absolute trash the first half of games and then they got to play from behind, but then they look like Alabama in the second half. This game, they did not look like Alabama in the second half. As a matter of fact, as I look at the, um, I'll forgive Oso, as I look at the, uh, as I look at the, the, just the way the gameplay went, I go back to what you said at the beginning, Abe. Big Ten teams weren't; those are those are big beefy boys. The only teams that feel beefier boys are from the SEC. The SEC just feels freaks, right? And then the Pac-12, we know, is just air it out, right? Every once in a while, you'll have a team that has a a, a runner and a, and a guy who likes just ground and pound, but it's almost like they switched roles in this game. And uh, in Oregon, they got a lead, they controlled it, they almost fumbled it away. But they got a lead and controlled it. And we watched CJ Stroud, like you said, Abe, his numbers look gaudy 35 for 54, 484, almost 500 yards passing, yeah. three touchdowns, one interception. Like that's those are, those are borderline Heisman numbers, right? Any yeah. other week, right? But you end up, they end up losing by a touchdown on the final drive of the game, makes a crucial mistake. Yes, he's learning but this game I think was a great indicator of what he can do and of where those needs are for Ohio state. But I think big takeaway for me is that number one, well, two things, number one, the PAC 12 is here Like it's, 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 we've said, we've known it, but coming out of what the, uh, the truncated season was last year Mm -hmm. was kind of like, ah, what are we going to get? No, the PAC 12 is in here, except for mm, USC taking an L last week. And then uh, besides that, it's okay, it's okay, Emmanuel. Yeah, we all can't be UCLA, and then other than that, the fact that no team is safe no team is the teams that are outside of Alabama. I feel like no team is safe at all, at all. And, um, you know, it's funny that we mentioned, yeah, let's
3: stay in the Pac 12 then because uh, the next game that we want to discuss is actually the Stanford uh versus. At number 14, well, the then number 14 USC. And the final score of that game was 42 to 28, Stanford. Man,
0: two um,
3: I mean, I, I, I look at the stats of the game and I see that Stanford had 375 total yards. They averaged 10.2 yards per pass. But when you look at USC, they have 408 total yards. They only averaged 5.3 yards per pass but the more glaring stat line was they had 9 penalties for 111 yards. This was just an embarrassing showing because it, while it was a two-score game, Stanford had them for most of it. And uh we saw the aftermath too. Uh Clay Helton gets fired legit the day the day or two after the game. So I'm a, I'm gonna toss it to you Baba Funke. What were <laughs> what were your thoughts watching that game, man? <laughs> what was running through your mind? What was running through your mind?
2: Uh, obviously, when you play a Stanford team, you have to be disciplined. And part, part of being a disciplined team is penalties, turnovers. And you you said it, nine penalties for over 100 yards. That's unacceptable playing against the Stanford team. Not only that, that's one point. Number two, you lost to a Stanford team that didn't put no points against Kansas state the week before. And you get molly at home. Yep. Yep. That, that deserves a firing for Clay Hilton. That's number two. Number three, Graham Harrell as an offensive coordinator right now should be in question. He should, I believe that he needs to run the ball a little bit more and it's, this is pissing me off. I know my fandom is coming out.
1: <laughs> no, we like it. We like yeah, it. Yeah, we love we like it. it. That's the whole point
2: of this, baby. That's yeah, the whole point of this. It, it's pissing me off with Graham Harrell. Uh, like look, I understand we have good receivers, everything, but we got those transferred running backs in for a reason. We got Ingram, who was a solid running back who transferred uh from Texas, and we had another running back that came from uh, from TCU. So and we're I feel like we're not utilizing those guys and with Slovis. Has he, he's, you can, you can make an argument and say he's plateaued, but I think it's too early. But as of right now, I haven't seen too much improvement from the previous year. And maybe them not retaining JT Daniels, who's doing really, uh, doing good in Georgia, uh, I might say, or them losing out on Bryce Young because they couldn't, because, (laughs) because they couldn't get him. Now he in Alabama looking like a first round draft pick. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just,
3: right with his own media it. deal too by the way
2: right and we sh- we should have fired clay helton two years ago yeah. and i'm uh, and then, preach that and you guys and you guys know I, I was on the trevor lawrence train for for a few years now, now i'm on the hashtag meyer to sc
1: You know, I'm I'm sick of hearing that. I'm sick of hearing that. I'm not. I'm hearing folks talking about this man need to go ahead and quit the Jags right now.
2: Oh, my goodness. Right
1: now and come to S. You know how messy that is? That's so messy. This is how messy that is. This is how messy that is. That is like, that's like you, right? Leaving your wife, okay? Meeting a chick and getting her pregnant a month later. I'm looking at you, John Mulaney. Uh, It's like you, (laughs) it's like you leaving your wife meet some chick and getting her pregnant after you told your wife now nah, I don't think I want kids like that's so messy here's here's to your Graham your Graham, Graham Harrell point um Emmanuel here's what I think of when I hear Graham Harrell Texas Tech man have we ever seen uh like an offensive coordinator or head coach who came from those air raid offenses like the Texas Techs of the world the Hawaii's of the world Who were great quarterbacks in those systems and transitioned over to coaching? Who know how to run a balanced offense? No, all they know how to run is what they they played their entire careers, right? Or at least the, the 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 in their formative stages of their careers. And so Graham Graham Harrell, like I I I think he was he was close to breaking records, right? I mean, if you play for Texas Tech, you're probably gonna break some records at some point, right?
2: But the only Texas Tech quarterback that we've seen who came out and professionally did the dang thing is one
1: Patrick Mahomes the second right now will he transition to coaching I don't I don't see it I could see him being a fun high school coach at you know at the end of things so Graham Harrell I don't I honestly don't think he'll be able to make that transition to be able to incorporate more running into into the game plan even though to your point Emmanuel they have the 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 horses in the stable to get out there and do it. What, what do we know about USC? USC for, for a good chunk of their history has been known as in some way, shape, or form as tailback you and Let's not get away from that now. I get it. The uh, I, I get it. Offensives have changed and we see how schemes look these days, but still, it, it, and contrary to, to our dearly beloved CEO and, and head of the table, um, CJ's opinion, you need running backs, man. Keaton Slovis, I think, will be able to take the leap if they open up, if they can open things up for him more with a solid running game, that will give him, because I feel like I wouldn't say he's plateaued, but I definitely would feel like he's stagnant and complacent. Like, I feel like he's coasting off of some of, some of the the big success he had last season. All the talk of, man, he's going to be a Heisman cannon, all that. He's not looking at like it right now. Give this man help. Run the ball. Run the ball. It sounds simple. Do it, Graham Harrell. Everything ain't Texas Tech, man. You ain't got to air everything out. Run the ball. And and it's actually funny that you say that because the next game we're going
3: to look at um is then number 15, Texas, University of Texas at Arkansas. And the score of that game was 40 to uh, 21, Arkansas. And you guys talk about running the ball. Arkansas have 471 total yards. Three hundred thirty-three of them were rushing. <laughs> talk, talk about running the that's
1: ball, <laughs> SEC baby.
3: Like yeah, they they definitely showed up Texas badly. I mean, Texas only managed two hundred fifty-six total yards of offense. One hundred eighteen of eighteen of them in the air. One hundred eighteen of them in the air, and, and that's significant because uh, when we get to the NFL, there's some some quarterbacks who who threw low numbers. Varying results. I mean, they, Texas was four of 13 on third down. And for me, Texas, Texas is, is on the, on the decline. I, I must say, unfortunately, I think um, Texas is, is not worthwhile to, uh, to seriously consider as much. And, and I say that as an LSU fan, knowing full well, that LSU has they're not on a decline they've already hit rock bottom there is no there's no worse than we can go we went from being the top of uh college football just at at the start of 2019 uh no at the start of 2020 at the start of 2020 we're at the top of uh of college football and and now in 2021 we are <laughs> you might as well put us at the bottom but uh what where do you stand? How did you view this Texas game? Uh Baba Funke, how did, how did this uh, look to you?
2: Honestly, this, this game it was like Felix Jones and Darren McFadden all over
1: again. <laughs> oh my
3: god.
2: Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was it was it, it, it was it was reminiscent of the old, you know, when the old Arkansas running backs had Felix Jones was a beast man back then, but right, it, it, was, it it and McFadden too who was a Heisman candidate too. But uh man it just reminded me, of like, okay, this is what Arkansas is about. Running the football back then, they had—I uh, think it was Houston—that was the coach back then at that time. And over at uh, Arkansas, uh, but yeah, they—they they ran the bell wall. I think Texas, in regards with them, um, I'm gonna give them—I'm gonna give them a, a year or two. Here's the reason why: I—I I, I feel like uh, Sarkeesian doesn't have the right quarterback yet. He hasn't had his guy yet, and uh, and. And obviously they got a quarterback who committed to them was Malik Murphy. He's from Gardena. He committed to Texas. Dude's like six, five, six, six quarterback. He's big like Cam Newton. So um, I know it's going to, I know he's looking forward to having him on campus probably within a year or two. So, and who knows, he could be the starting quarterback down the line. But right now, um, I think Casey Thompson is going to be the starting quarterback from Texas. So they're really trying to figure out that whole quarterback situation. Who's uh, who's, uh, who's going to start? I think well, Houston Street, I believe, was a starter for for the last game. So uh, yeah, Texas uh, Texas they the Sark is trying to try figure out a spark on that offense to to find a rhythm for the quarterback and and go forward. But right now he doesn't have the quarterback like he wants. So it mm-hmm. might it, so this year is going to be a struggle for Texas, my personal opinion. But I do love that running back, uh, uh Bijan Robinson. I, I I think he's one I think he's one of the best backs in the country. So it's something that he could work he could work on with him down the line
3: but but also what is uh how did you react to this game this demolishment Bro,
1: of for, the Razorbacks to the Longhorns make running backs great again <laughs> that might that might be the title of this episode make running backs great again I, I I appreciated seeing a good ground game and not a ground game because you don't have a quarterback right or, or because your your offense is built around like just running way too much like what is that? i think it's army or navy is like that right um but just good solid running and like i said at the top of this episode no team is safe if you were in the top 25 you are not safe yeah it you are not at all and outside of it.
3: bama for the top Yeah. Years. outside of bama right
1: bama. I, I don't know nick nick saban is like emperor palpatine from star wars Yo, I mean, for real. See, he's got clone troopers he's got storm troopers, <laughs> he's got the sith like he's the sith lord he enticed Bryce Young away from Southern California. Let's just not forget that. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Emmanuel's gonna forget that. But uh yeah, this 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 game reminded me that nobody is safe. Uh look even looking at this is bananas, even looking at Texas, Texas is just offensive output in this game, okay, left much to be desired. Uh I I also wonder when is Texas gonna be great again? Like it's 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 been sad to watch Texas. Basically, get our hopes up and tease us year in and year out. I'm not going to say they need need an overhaul, but somebody help Texas. Help Uh Texas. Texas is not even the best team in Texas right now, which is crazy to me. Never thought I'd see the day. I grew up watching Ricky Williams, okay, run all over people for Texas, watching Colt McCoy sling that pigskin. And here we are, major
2: apple white. Okay, and here <laughs> uh, we are. Texas ain't even the best team in the state, man. That's crazy. And go. I'll go I'll take it back to priest Holmes when when wow. he was in Texas. Back to Priestow. Priest Holmes, yeah. Ricky Dude. Rick Ricky Williams was the backup behind he was. In Texas. He was. People don't, priest-, priest Holmes. Priest Holmes is different. About that. Yes. Was
3: different, man. I'm gonna echo uh Osa's sentiments. College football is really exciting this year. Um, you know, we last year we saw the shakeup, but again, it was a COVID season. So we we kind of expected things not to be natural, but then this year, it it seems that's the new norm. Uh, outside of Bama, everybody else, any, anything is up for grabs. So um, I'm sure we'll see some of these teams bounce back and still compete uh, for the second or fourth spot for the college football playoffs. So I'm not gonna completely count out Ohio State. Um, I will count out Texas. Uh, I, I I say that by the end of the season, they, you know what? I'll say that they probably end up out of the top 25. I'll say that about Texas, that they probably end up out of the top 25. But that being said, let's move on to uh, the NFL. And last episode, also, we talked about the Dallas-Tampa Bay game and how exciting that was, how we enjoyed that. But, man, the games we got on Sunday, And, of course, the Monday night game. That was – what a way to start off week one. And the first game we're going to talk about is the Arizona Cardinals versus the Tennessee Titans. And Arizona put up 38 on Tennessee with Tennessee only scoring 13. I mean, Chandler Jones had three sacks after the first quarter. He ended the game with five. You know, the defense that also has J.J. Watt, mind you. Right. And then uh, Derek Henry, his numbers, look, his final numbers were 17 carries, 58 yards at the half. He only had eight yards rushing that that defense completely shut them down. And the NFC West ended up going 4-0. The Cardinals are honestly the third best team in the NFC West. And the way that they dominated this Tennessee team. I mean, Kyler Murray, 289 yards, four touchdowns. One interception and one rushing touchdown. He was, he was throwing the ball all around like he's trying to go for an MVP. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had two touchdowns. Christian Kirk had two touchdowns. I was completely, completely surprised by how manhandled the Titans were. I mean, we, you got Julio Jones, you got Derrick Henry. I mean, side note in my fantasy league. I had the number two overall pick and I was expecting I'd probably get Dalvin cook. The number one pick, not auto draft, drafted Derek Henry, leaving me CMC. And this is a PPR 12 man lead. I was stunned. I, yo, yo, please, please try. What, what happened? What happened
2: in this game? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, Arizona dominated in, in the trenches from uh, from the start. The Chandler Chandler Jones got five total sacks, three like you said, three um, after the first quarter, and he's making a very strong case so far for defensive uh, defensive uh, player of the year. A very strong case. He's definitely in that in that for, in that uh, in the front in the front running. So in that the problem with uh with the Titans, and I kind of see this coming. Is Titans lost some key secondary guys in the offseason. Um. Then the bonus was they did get they did sign Bud Dupree from uh Pittsburgh uh for to to, to increase their pass rush, which I was a good that was a great move. The problem is their secondary, the, the, their secondary is weak, and this has been a problem since last year. Um, and, and teams have have been ex, have been exploiting that. Um, uh, if you guys look at some of the playoff matchups and some of the key games that the Titans have played, that has been because of secondary, but a lot of a lot of the, the problems with, with the Titans last year. Was a lot of it was due to injuries from the secondary, and they got and they got exposed, and now they don't have the depth because a lot of those guys went elsewhere. So that's something that Mike Vrabel, as a as a defensive guy and and he's a defensive genius, um, you know, he's gonna have to figure out a way how to shore up that defense. I do believe the front seven is good. I do believe in the weak AFC South, uh, they will be contending um, as well. Um, so I believe. The Texans were the only team in that division to get
3: away. Yeah. yeah, they were. The Texans were the only team. M- yeah. Mind you, they, they were going up against Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. And, you know,
2: right.
3: no number one overall pick has won their debut game in, I believe, about 15 seasons. So, right. um, and then, you know, we'll briefly talk about Trevor Lawrence three touchdowns, three interceptions. A lot of it was just easily fixable mistakes. Um, but yeah, yeah, right now the
1: Texans looking are like light skinned Jameis Winston.
3: Oh my goodness. oh my goodness, we'll get to Jameis in a bit. Uh, we'll get to him in a bit, but also on that Cardo's game, how
1: did you feel watching that? Damn, Chandler Jones was out there looking like the second coming of Reggie White, <laughs> which is which is crazy because Aaron Donald still exists, but the way
3: Chandler Jones was playing was out of his mind.
1: Aaron Donald, who like Chandler Jones was like, ah, oh, Aaron Donald. Hold my beer. oh my beer. <laughs> like I, So let's, let's he had LeBron, you know, tweeting, tweeting on it, right? Yeah. Um, the Cardinals are picking up on their peak that they hit last season. Remember for the first maybe like six games of the season, folks were talking about Kyler Murray in the MVP conversation. It was looking like the, the NFC West had two MVP caliber quarterbacks in mm-hmm. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. Yeah. AKA like basically the same player to a degree. And, and so, watching the Cardinals do what they did, not not I'm not surprised nor shocked. What I am surprised about is just how badly the Titans got got smacked, right? Um, to to your point, uh, Emmanuel, like their secondary should have been the primary like focus during the off season. Okay, we we saw what happened to them uh, in the playoffs. Of course, we know they're going to ride the Derrick Henry train all the way to to its final destination, and don't get me wrong. another quarterback over there. However, get this man some help. And once again, when we talk about players who transition over into the coaching space, their tendencies and their strengths as players are the same tendencies and strengths that they play to when they get, when they become coaches, unless they were very cerebral as players, right? So guy, a guy like a Mike Vrabel, which I'm kind of shocked about because he was a linebacker, right? In a Bill Belichick defense, Close my. I mean, their 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 linebacking core in in, in Tennessee is, is serviceable, but once again, you're you're a linebacker in a Bill Belichick defense, bro. You you better you better emphasize what it looks like to have some. De- a, a nah. You better emphasize what it looks like to to protect that quarterback. Bill Belichick. We know Bill Belichick quite as kept. If you pay attention to his teams that win titles. They have sought they have a solid run backing core, right? You're not going to see a superstar running back. You're not going to see the next Derrick Henry being in that running back core, right? But they have a they have a serviceable uh two or three man rotation that they that they build around. Mike Vrabel, you might, you might want to low key. I know it's Derrick Henry, but you might want to incorporate that and then prioritize your secondary because you can't keep getting shredded like this. Kyler Murray, not saying Kyler Murray's the scrub, because by no means is he a scrub, but in a week AFC South, yes, you may be contending, but listen, you're going you to march on down to, to Houston and, and give up 400 yards if you're not careful. So be aware. Be right. aware. Rabel, be aware.
3: Hey, man.
1: Um, the next game we,
3: we have to talk about is the rematch of, of the AFC Championship game uh, just last season. And that is your Cleveland Browns in kansas city kansas city won 33 to 29 they didn't grab their first lead until the seventh minute mark in the fourth quarter um it was off a muff punt that handled by um their punter gillian and from there on it it, it just changed momentum but baker mayfield 21 of 28 321 yards zero touchdowns one interception. Tyreek Hill had 15 targets, 11 catches, 197 yards, one touchdown, and the best tight end in the league, Travis Kelsey, seven targets, six catches, 76 yards, two touchdowns. When I was watching that game, I was honestly surprised by how strongly the Browns were playing. They were dominating every facet of the game. They didn't. Their mistake was the first time they punted all game late in the halfway through the fourth quarter, around the seven minute mark. They were just, uh, Baker was doing everything he needed to. They were relying on a run game as per usual. They were running Chubb. He was getting his way. Uh, Kareem Hunt was doing his thing. They were using Jarvis Landry a lot on jet sweeps. Reminded me of Tavon Austin back when he was in uh, Los Angeles, except that Landry was having a more successful job than uh, Austin when we used to run those jet sweeps. And I was thinking like, yo, these these Browns seriously, seriously may win this game. And then we get the punt. And then it's like, okay, it gives them good field position. Of course, you know, it's going to Travis Kelsey. What happens? It went to Travis Kelsey. But the Browns still have a chance. I mean, it's not like the game was over for them. It wasn't over at all. They have a chance to still win this. And Baker Mayfield throws the game ending interception um my thoughts from this were you know there's talks about um Baker Mayfield getting extended and probably getting a massive contract um I think it's deserved because Baker has definitely calmed down since entering the league you know mind you one of the troubles in his early in his career is that he had a a new offensive coordinator each year you know there was no stability no consistency Yes, he didn't throw a touchdown, and you need your quarterback to throw touchdowns. You know, the reason being is because the next game we'll talk about later, we see a difference between yards and touchdowns, right? But Baker did a great job of just moving the ball, not forcing errors, making good plays. The run game was doing what they needed to do. And I hate, I hate for him that the critics are really harping on this interception as why, first of all, the Browns will be the Browns, or why Baker Mayfield doesn't deserve it, deserve an extension when you're when you're doing right for for the first 53 minutes of the game. Like I it's tough. It's tough. So I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna switch it up. Ozan so talk to me. How did how did you feel about this game?
1: Yeah um <clears throat> first of all the Browns were on a mission. Um and I i would what what is the uh the, the dilemma? or the, the, the paradox, not paradox, but the dilemma was was just a case of the Chiefs uh, winning the game or of the Browns losing the game. I think this lends credence to more of the, the Browns losing the game. Um, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are touchable. The Chiefs are a kind of team, they, they're only beating you when that swagger is going. But when they have to play from behind, even when they play from behind, if you notice when they've had to play from behind and come back to win, that, that swagger is still going except for in that super bowl last year but the the chiefs the chiefs look very touchable i was not impressed with the chiefs at all if if you are going to continue to force feed the ball to tyree kill i get it tyree kill is a created player off of madden
0: basically his, <laughs> his
1: speed is unreal travis kelsey yes best tight end in the league sorry gronk but you can't force feed those two if you continue to do that Uh, You are going to put yourself in position to where you have to over rely on Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Patrick Mahomes probably is a is going to be an all time great when it's all said and done. Yes, he is a generational talent, but you have to put him in position as well to extend his career. Patrick Mahomes can Patrick Mahomes when it comes to using his legs as a quote unquote dual threat quarterback, which I hate even the term as a quarterback, just a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a pure quarterback knows when to use his legs. Extend the play and make plays if you have to, in case of emergency, right? Break the glass in case of emergency and run. But you're putting Patrick Mahomes into into situations where him having to be Houdini is now becoming the rule and not the exception. And it's not healthy. It's not smart. So expect to see the Chiefs uh, fight more often than not. And also let's be real as well. Teams bring their best when they see the Chiefs on the schedule. Yeah. They come to play. They yeah. come to play. And so the Browns. I know I jokingly said it last year during Volume One of this program that the that you know Baker Mayfield for MVP. And but Baker Mayfield is quite as kept. Let's give him his flowers, okay? Baker Mayfield coming out of college, folks were talking about he's just going to be another Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And he has proved everybody wrong in that regards. He did, he maybe didn't have necessarily the demons of a Johnny Manziel, but he definitely had the arrogance. And he was definitely kind of a a, a bag a bag of the douche to, uh, uh, coming into the league, but he's definitely humbled himself. There's no more Mister. Let's wreck the league together. No, he's coming out here and he's playing, and he's doing it with confidence. Baker Mayfield, I'm gonna give you your flowers for that for sure. Baba mm-hmm. Funke, what you what do you got to say about this, my bro?
2: Basically, uh, Cleveland they have the running game to go far in, into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Now I. I I think we saw that, and there's no, there's no we, there's no weaknesses in the run game. I think that's what makes it, that that's what makes Cleveland a contender. Uh, and to meet, and obviously the biggest X factor in this team is really Baker Mayfield. How far can Baker take this team? That's the biggest question, because there's going to be some key third down throws or some key situational points in football. Where if he if they make them, it's going to take them to that next level. Uh, as a football team, so that's that's really going to be key for Baker and down the line, also playing for a contract um, as as well. Now for the on the Chiefs side. Oh yeah, by the way, no Odell Beckham. By the way, so he, then
3: I have to ask uh, for both of you, um, especially you, Osan, and and of course you, uh, Emmanuel. Was Odell Beckham heavily missed in this game?
2: Yeah, because he he could bring that safety in and put a bracket. And it could cost some. Um, it could free up the other receivers like Landry, Peoples, Jones, or Higgins, and the and the other tight ends like Najoku and Hooper. Um, if they want to play like the twelve personnel, so twelve or eleven personnel. So it that it, it could have freed something up uh, with Odell, because Odell's a decoy. You know, I mean, even if he's, even if he doesn't get enough receptions, the 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 secondary is going to respect him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he he can still blow by. Mm-hmm. Uh, blow by a defender so um yeah he you can use him as a decoy and i i thought like that could have been definitely help, helpful against the chiefs uh but yeah
1: i think he was missed uh because let's not forget okay for all of the glowing uh reviews that we can give the kansas city chiefs offensively their defense has and will continue to be their glaring achilles heel We saw that last year on multiple occasions, particularly in the Super Bowl, when they decided to let Tom Brady look like TB12, okay? You throw an Odell Beckham in there, in that mix, in that game, to Emmanuel's point, it opens a lot up, not just for the running game, but you have an opportunity at any point during the game. Folks can say what they want to say about OBJ. He's overrated, he's overhyped. Fact remains, the man is still a great receiver. You, op- you have an opportunity at any time to take a shot downfield with OBJ against a shaky and questionable glass knees, Kansas City Chiefs defense and secondary. No disrespect to the honey badger. But he was out. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, COVID, yeah, 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 COVID, yeah, yeah, yeah he was yeah, coming he was back strong. from COVID. So you, you have an opportunity at any time to take a shot downfield. A shot that potentially could have... I, I'm willing to. I, I would rather live and die with Baker Mayfield taking that shot down field to OBJ and potentially getting an interception or a big play than not having him in there. So yes, he was missed in that game, and I'm tired. Ty- I'm folks. I'm tired of y'all disrespecting this man OBJ. Antics aside, the man plays with great emotion, and he's, he's got great skill. Weird stuff off the off the field aside, he can still play, and I wouldn't be surprised. This man gets traded at some point during the season, or asked to be traded because the disrespect needs to stop. going come
2: on over to Minnesota. This defense is um, is questionable in terms of the run defense. To me, this reminds me when uh, that when they went on that Super Bowl run. Uh, people, I don't know if people remember during the beginning of the year when Mahomes when Mahomes was the quarterback. You know, at the time on that year when they won the Super Bowl, their run defense was a huge question. And then when it came to the second half of the year, they started to ramp up and make that run. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, 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 and I, I said this on the, on the podcast, uh, pay attention to teams that are healthy and recovering, and they're playing with a lot of momentum, especially in the second half of the season. That, so, a lot of times that momentum can carry into the postseason, and, it, and, then, and then once it gets to the postseason, they're catching fire, it's hard to take it out. It's hard to take it out. So t- so I would advise people, when you look at teams, don't always just look at the best record. Look who's the healthiest and who are the hottest. The Giants was a classic example. They won a wild card. They beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Last year, we saw with the Bucks. The Bucks lost twice to the Saints last year. And they, and they won a Super Bowl on the wild card. You, you know what I'm saying? So people have to look at what what teams are healthy and hot at the same time and then last year i did mention on the super bowl um, on, my, on my podcast for Sportshead radio i mentioned that uh kansas city's achilles heel is penalties on the defensive side of the ball and that was a and that played a huge factor in the super bowl nobody brought this up i've not heard not one sports media analyst brought this up and when i did an evaluation on both teams there was a huge disparity on penalties. And I don't know if you guys noticed, whenever when Tom Brady's on the team, they're more disciplined, less penalties. Field position becomes a huge factor. And then when you saw it with KC, when I looked at their playoff games, they were getting, they were getting penalties like crazy. And you, and you definitely don't give field position to a great quarterback like Brady, you know, uh, Rodgers, those type of guys, because they're going to pick you apart. So the Chiefs defense are going to have to play more discipline football, contain those run gaps, uh, because if 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 this is the same problem heading in the second half of the season, this is going to be a huge problem. And this could cost them not not going to the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, no, no, that that's very true. I mean, uh, like y'all both said, the Kansas City is very touchable. At the same time, we can't really count them out. Clearly, we can't count them out. Just one mistake. Browns basically had to play a perfect game. And one mistake really cost it, turned the game uh, around, and then another mistake sealed it. The AFC is going to be interesting. There's a lot of a lot of strong contenders. And there's a couple of weak contenders there. You know, Tennessee being one of them. For the time being, it's only been week one now. It's only been one week. So I won't completely count out Tennessee, but still. Um, so uh, the next game, we'll talk about Green Bay versus the Saints. And the Saints won 38-3. to uh, Just real quick so we can get to the Monday night game, too, is Aaron Rodgers threw 133 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Jameis Winston threw for 148 yards, 14 of 20, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Like what I mean, we talk about how Baker threw for 321, zero touchdowns. These two combined to not even they, they didn't even match how many yards Baker had, and yet Jameis still threw for five touchdowns. What a game. What a game. It was good. Hey, Jameis can see now. He had a year behind Drew Brees.
1: Hey, it Jameis Jameis. Beautiful. Yo, I uh I I was watching the game. While cooking, cooking some of my good wok fried rice. Right. I felt like the elephant in the room or the, the dark cloud over this game, particularly on the Packers, was the Aaron Rodgers interview that came out, the interview he did with Aaron Andrews. I, I feel like if that if if there's no knowledge of that interview coming out until after the game and it drops after the game, cool. But I it could just be me reading too far between the lines, but it felt like that was just a dark cloud over it. The memorable line, of course, from the interview is Aaron Rodgers saying they drafted my replacement. So I felt why not just let him play in reference to Jordan Love, which is not wrong. But I I think what Aaron Rodgers is now experiencing is the same thing that or what it's the same predicament he was in when Brett Favre would have retired. Right. He was sitting there riding behind Brett Favre and Brett Favre was wasn't looking quite Brett like Brett Favre. He was just looking like Brett. Okay. That's, I think that's what we're going to see this entire season. The question is when, when, it, when is uh, – if we're going to pull the plug and, and go ahead and just let Jordan Love do what he do. Not to say Aaron Rodgers isn't great, but let's be honest. They should have just let the man walk in the offseason. They should have traded him in the offseason. That's, that's what this game, in my opinion, was evidence of. On the, on the other side with the Saints, my wife loved it. She's a Saints fan. Famous Jameis, I'm glad you can see clearly now. The rain is gone. You're not going to be out here throwing, throwing, having a 30 30 season again. Trevor Lawrence will probably have that. But you, my good sir, Jameis Winston, I'm glad you, I'm glad they gave you the start over Taysom Hill. It's a joke to even think that they would consider Taysom Hill to to be the starting quarterback, especially week one. Stop it. Uh, In in an NFC South that I think is going to be kind of a dark horse dogfight in terms of divisions this season. Don't be surprised if famous Jameis creeps up and starts looking like, you know, uh, Florida State Jameis. Okay, don't be surprised if uh, if the Carolina Panthers uh, allow run CMC to have a historic season, especially with 17 games in the regular season. Don't be surprised. OK, when you see these things happen, I feel like I feel like I'm, I'm quoting the Book of Revelation or something. Don't be surprised if you open your eyes and look to the skies and see these things happening. OK, the NFC South, don't be surprised if the Falcons look like the Falcons. I mean, not even the. Dirty, but dirty. OK, don't be surprised when you see these things But the Green Bay Packers. I wasn't expecting nothing. I was actually excited to see them lose in such a manner as a Minnesota Vikings fan. But, but the backstories, I'm all about the backstories. You will hear those from me time and time again. That backstory of Aaron Rodgers, that interview coming into this game. I think it, I think from a psyche perspective, definitely played a part. And, and don't be surprised if we, as we hear more and more stuff coming out of that locker room about what's going on. Bryce Love, I hope you take notes actually from Aaron Rodgers and how he handled the Brett Favre situation. And when you get your spot, when you get your moment, kid, Shine.
3: Jordan,
2: Jordan Love. what I Brian, say? You said Bryce. I said Bryce? Yeah. I got Bryce Young on the brain. Jordan yeah. Love, my bad, kid. My <laughs> homie, shine. It's all good.
1: It's Shout all good. To Bryce Young over there in the evil empire, Alabama. But, all right, Baba Funka, you
2: already know. how to say, yeah. What are your thoughts uh, on this game? I'm going to make it real quick. Uh, Jameis, like the FSU Jameis, like to Ocean Hunt's point. and five touchdowns, no picks. Remember, his last year in Tampa, he, had, he led the league in most interceptions, but he was second in the league in touchdowns. Now, if he's able to minimize his mistakes, this Saints team can go to another level because obviously we've seen Jameis, he has an element of pushing the ball down the field, especially when Breeze. He wasn't able to do all that because he had some, it seemed like he has some restrictions in regards with that uh, in, in the past. But Jameis gives him an element to push the ball downfield. So it, it gives a little more excitement to that Saints offense, which is good. But but like I said, if Jameis minimizes turnovers, this team will go to another level. They they, they will be continuing first division if he plays smart like he just did this past Sunday. Uh, Now, and the Saints defense played well, by the way. Now, for the Packers, to me, I'm going to be honest with you. I I feel like Aaron Rodgers looked kind of zoned out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he did.
2: Uh, The the way I I just see the body language it, it, it wasn't there. It, I, I'm gonna say a safety for Devonte Adams because remember this is Devontae Adams' last last year too. He's on a he's on a contract year too, so he has an incentive, you know, trying to play well. But it, it, the whole offense, everything just didn't look in sync. Uh, Packers have some hold defensively. Um, uh, is Kevin King still on that team? They, they, they need to they need to let that guy go. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, look, Jairam Alexander, one of the most underrated corners in the game. I love him, but man, man, this this guy is sabotaging me, man. Oh yeah. god!
3: I was, I, I mean,
2: other than that, good.
3: Yeah, part of me just wonders, like, could this have been avoided had Green Bay decided to just cater to Aaron Rodgers? You know, before when Aaron Rodgers was like, I want help. You know, give me, give me the pieces I need. Continue to build this team so I can succeed rather than be just focusing on areas of concern that weren't mightily important. Um, and then, of course, you know, the drama during the offseason. Uh, it's just what a surprising game. I mean, moving forward, do we expect AR-12 to continue to look like this? Gosh, I hope not. I hope not, because regardless of what stop, side you stand on when it comes to the Aaron Rodgers versus Green Bay uh situation, you don't want to mar your your legacy with this season of you just saying, screw it, you know, I, I, I'm just going out there because they keep putting me out there. um, But we shall see. But however, oh, you know, we're going to end it on this note. The Monday night football game, which saw the your Baltimore Ravens head to Las Vegas, the first fan field Home game for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, I, I I'll share my quick thoughts so you can get your chance because I know there's a lot you gotta say. Lamar Jackson, 19 of 30, 235 yards, one touchdown, two fumbles. He carried the ball 12 times for 86 yards. Derek Carr, 34 for 56, threw 435 yards. First time he's thrown for this much since 2018. He had two touchdowns, one interception. Darren Waller, the second best tight end in the league. 19 targets, 19 targets, 10 receptions, 105 yards, one touchdown. And Max Crosby putting together, is putting together a, an all-pro resume right now. He had two sacks, two tackles for losses. He was, I mean, him against Villanueva was, was just not, not happening. And, you know, watching I mean, we we share those numbers, but just the game itself for anybody who did not watch this Monday night football game. I feel sorry for you. You missed one of the most wildest, wackiest, just exciting game of of recent memory. And, And as a Rams fan, Rams fan. I'm putting this over the Monday night football game a couple of years ago between my Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs, where that ended up being 54-51, looking like a college football game. This game was so crazy. I mean, Ravens were in control, up 14-0. Derek Carr was just not completing his passes in the first quarter. He was constantly forcing it to Darren Waller. I mean, at the end of the first quarter, Darren Waller had seven targets. One reception, 13 yards. He ended the game with 19 targets. You know, uh, a lot of the passes throughout the game was just behind the receivers. Henry Ruggs III was not really getting separation, not being physical. I think he only finished the game with two catches, 46 yards. But that Raiders defense, which has always been a a detriment, really showed up. And they especially showed up late because Yannick got hurt and uh, around the third or late third, early fourth. Jared McCoy left on a cart, so he got hurt. And and not to dismiss, the Ravens were dropping like flies throughout the game, too. Uh, they were dropping like flies. I, I know you guys had to go to the backup on the offensive line. And then, right. like, it, the Raiders' defense really picked up the slack because the Raiders' offense wasn't in tune. And for me, it, it this Monday night game showed the importance, in my opinion, of at least having your starters get some preseason game snaps in. Um, there were other games throughout the uh, throughout on Sunday where that lack of game game like situations uh, really led to poor uh, timing between quarterback and receivers, and that was very apparent in this Raiders game with Carr and his receivers with Carr and Waller with Carr and Ruggs, with Carr and Renfro. I mean, Brian Edwards in his second year, with 40 seconds left in the the fourth quarter, Brian Edwards had zero catches. After overtime, Brian Edwards ended the game with four catches for about 81 yards. Like what? And then we we can't. let's not even talk about overtime in itself. Not Raiders getting the ball. Marching downfield, throwing it to Brian Edwards. We're thinking it's touchdown. He's he's down at the three-yard line. Knee down. Good call. Everybody was already ready to call it a game. You're on the three-yard line. All you got to do is punch it in. You get four downs to do it. Derek Carr throws a pass to Willie Sneed. It misses Willie. hits hits a, a Ravens defender in the helmet. Bounces up. Ravens interception. Touchback. And at this point... All you need in overtime for the Ravens is a field goal. They start marching down the field. Lamar Jackson fumbles the ball uh, as a result of Carl Nassib. Okay, Raiders get it in excellent field position. Just kick a field goal. They go for it on first down. Okay, they try to go for it on first down. They decide like, hey, maybe we should kick a field goal. They get hit with a delayed game. It moves them back. Makes it a doable field goal for sure, but. You don't want to make that much harder on yourself, especially not against this Ravens team, right? They go out there. You think they're about to at least run the ball to get some yards back because it's only second down. They They have the time. Everybody's expecting run. Ravens have no safety over top. Derek Carr snaps the ball, just lobs it up off his back foot, Zay Jones is open. Marlon Humphreys is several yards behind. Marlon Humphreys ends up giving up on the play because it's clear as day this was going to be a touchdown and the Raiders win one of the craziest, most dramatic factions. I was impressed by the Raiders' defense. Carr finally got into a rhythm. Ravens surprised me with how I, I guess Greg Roman's play calling just, just seems suspect to me getting away from the run. But I, I have to give you the floor, Baba Funke. Yeah, I as a Ravens fan, I talk to me. Talk to me.
0: Obviously, uh,
2: the chemistry needs to improve with the running back and the quarterback within the system. I think Latavius Murray, um and Tyson Williams did a pretty good job. Well, you know, if, Obviously, and yeah. playing in the Monday night game, they did better than I expected, to be honest with you. Um, and so that, that, was, that was a positive. Uh, number two, we saw a couple of good passes from Lamar in terms of being accurate with the football outside the hashes, And that, that, um, that pleased me. But the key is consistency down the line of the season. And I've been emphasizing that. You guys know that. <laughs> Lamar, over the past couple of years. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm going to continue to look for. And uh, what pissed me off though is Lamar was carrying that football like a loaf of bread, and that's why he he this was two fumbles. He, and uh, part of it is where he gets his fumbles because he doesn't he doesn't have the pocket awareness. Uh, at times, sometimes he he scrambles out too late out of the pocket, therefore he gets swallowed. You, you know, um, in in the pocket, and that's part part of the side to his pocket awareness. He ha- it has to improve um, as well. And I mean, he he had 12 carries in the game, 86 yards. He made some plays happen, uh, but the defense, oh man, they 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 made some plays, but yet again, they they've the the pass defense is really a suspect. Deshaun Elliott missed some, it was some missed tackles in the open field from the safety position. I wasn't really feeling. Um, uh, that's uh, the safeties need to be addressed. It's not the same as it used to be in regards with that. I love the front four, front seven. We got Houston, Patrick Queen, uh, Harrison, um, and those boys, Calais Campbell as well. Uh, but shifts in secondary. I'm a little concerned, but outside of Marlon Humphrey, uh, uh, which he played great, by the way. Uh, Arnett didn't play well. They got to, to, to Tyvon Young. He's more of a nickel guy. Now he's got to take an elevated role with Marcus Peters being out for the year with uh, a torn ACL. Um overall, um I'm really disappointed in the Ravens because those supports a situational football that they could have they could have t- took more control of the game. Didn't happen. Derek Carr played well in the second half. Like you said, uh Abraham, he got more of the rhythm. Uh Darren Waller had a crazy amount of targets at 19 targets. And, and he scored. He had one t- 10 receptions, 105 in the touchdown. So um and then the passing yards is what could, is really concerning me with yeah. this Ravens defense. It, it it's really it, I felt like there was some miscommunication with, the, with with the safeties as well with the with the front seven, the front four. So there's there's some things to iron out. And this is actually a bad start to me. This was a winnable game because next Sunday exactly. night they do punch because next next Sunday night they play the Chiefs and yeah. I know the, and the, and the Chiefs and the Chiefs are they're they're watching for film so um. That's gonna be a crazy game. It's a Sunday night football game, and um, if they play like that against the Chiefs, they're gonna get blown out. I'm being completely honest with you, and I'm ch- I'm, ch- I'm trying to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I understand, but because uh, it's only week one, but there there were some positives, but there's also some negatives. A lot a lot of the negatives were on the defensive side, but then the only negative I have was Lamar Lamar Jackson carrying that football like a loaf of bread, and he needs to improve his uh, pocket awareness. And uh and he made some good throws. I like to throw with Sammy Watkins outside. I was on the money. Um uh, Mark he do one to Marquise Brown you know, on the rollout on the red zone for that touchdown. I like that too. So um, he has to improve. To me, it seemed like Greg Roman's trying to put more trust into uh Lamar passing the football. But yet again, this team is built to run the football. Uh, I think Latavius Murray does fit this offense. This I think he's already made that fits this offense more. Uh, Tyson Williams, does, I I believe he's more of a change of pace guy, but um, down the line we'll see. Uh, Ravens have one of the toughest toughest schedules in the league based on opponents' records from last season um, as well. They're they're in the top two, so we'll see how this plays out. Um, it, especially with three of our uh, running backs were torn ACLs, so we'll see what happens. But Villanueva did Villanueva, he needs to retire. Yo, yeah, um... he 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 needs to retire, man. Uh, I think it's time for him. Uh, uh, Ravens losing Orlando Brown. Um, it's not looking good. No, I'm gonna be honest with you. Orlando Brown didn't look that well against Cleveland with Miles My- Garrett. Yeah, Orlando true. Brown, yeah, Miles My- Garrett looked like he won that battle in that game. Yeah, he
3: did. It, he was he uh, was putting pressure on Mahomes for sure.
2: Yeah, but it's one game, but we'll see. Yeah, how it's, play it's against only Kansas. one.
3: Definitely, and and you know I agree with you. I, I can imagine just your frustration, your emotion watching that game. I was watching the game with a bunch of Raiders fans and and their emotions was high. And I'm over here like, hey, it's Victory Monday for me. My Rams handled business um, versus the Bears. But Lord, Lord, what a, what a great way to recap week one of the NFL season. You know, there was a lot of surprises. I mean, I think overall nine underdogs won this week. Um, it was just it was just very pleasing and and so you know how we do things here as we wrap up um this is our first and then segment of games of the week uh we'll we'll definitely give it a title I, as um Osana mentioned earlier. we'll probably call it running backs uh <laughs> running backs are Us or something along that line because uh you know, just Arkansas Razorbacks really did the damn thing, you know. You know how we say it we 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 like to close out with a single phrase you know two words uh get in your head as Osan would like to say Omo Naija